What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Citizen Sit Down podcast. This is a podcast where we sit down with different leaders and we talk about life and leadership. And today we have got Al Gordon on the podcast. Al is, um, he's the leader of Hackney Church. Hackney Church is a church uh, in East London, which is across multiple locations, including um, a famous church called St. John at Hackney. It's a massive venue that seats about 2,000 people. They hold gigs there. They have their own brewery. They have loads going on. But also, um, Al is an incredible leader. He's been involved in something called Worship Central. He was one of the founders of that. He worked and headed up Alpha across the UK at one point. He also worked at Holy Trinity Brompton and led loads of stuff there. And now he's um, recently planted Hackney Church. He planted about four years ago and they've grown massively. They've been doing loads. And especially during this time of pandemic, they've been really leading the way um, amongst our church network anyway and how we respond to that. So um, we're so excited to have Al on the podcast. Hope you enjoy. Um, hey Al, thank you so much for <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, it's so great to have you here. Um, if it's okay, we're just going to jump straight in. If that's all right. Um, Lovely. What a privilege. Can I say, Ryan, I've been waiting for this invitation to be on <laughs> sits down, sits, like what you guys are doing is epic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a massive fan. So thank you so much. Um, and real treat to be here. I, I wish I was in Cardiff. Oh literally. my gosh. I know it's sunny in Cardiff. Not allowed into Wales. We must be doing oh, this no. in person, right? I know, I know. That would have been maybe in the future. We'll get you down in the future. Definitely. Sunny Cardiff. Um, just to start with, some people who may not know who you are, can you just talk a bit about who you are? And Because um, right now you're heading up Hackney Church, which is, I mean, we love following everything that you guys are doing. Um, but you've been, before that, you were at HTB, you are involved in Worship Central, involved in AF, you've done so much out. Could you just talk a bit about that, how you got into ministry and a bit about your journey? Yeah, um, uh, I haven't done that much. Um, I was, I came to faith when I was 18 and uh, was in film for a little bit, worked in the media industry um, and then wasn't very good at that. And then um, in my late 20s, got kind of sucked into leading worship full time and loved it. And it was downhill all the way. Uh, got on the staff of HTV, started training for ordination, ran a thing called Worship Center, which is a worship training school. And um, yeah, I think all the way through that was thinking, well, you know, I just love, I love seeing people encounter Jesus. And so that meant ultimately, you know, getting involved in church planting and um, moved to Hackney four years ago this autumn and I've been having a blast ever since. It's the UK's second coolest place to live after Wales. <laughs> that's what I've heard. I've, I've heard that's official. Um, in terms of Hackney, you're, I've spoken to you before and you've said about your vision for St. John at Hackney, particularly to become the Cathedral of Creativity. Um, can you talk a bit about that journey? How did Hackney come about and what is your vision for, I guess, the bit St. John at Hackney, which is an iconic building in Hackney, but also for Hackney Church, this, um, this thing you've built. And then also you've gone into Leighton and you're doing loads of stuff. Can you talk a bit about the vision of that and particularly around creativity? Well, yeah, I mean, the, our vision as a church is, is, is real simple. It's to bring hope to the people of East London, the people that we're serving. And so we exist for the benefit of our non-members. You know, we talk about the 99 a lot here. That's the um, 0.8% who come to church in this part of London. There is a 99.2% who are our 
you know, people that we're here to serve and to love and to reach out to and look after. And um, we're in a really creative part of the world. There are more startups in, in sort of borough of Hackney than um, any other city in the UK. Um, if Birmingham was a city, um, we have more startups than um, the city of Birmingham. So it's like a crazy amount of creativity and um, innovation happening in this sort of square mile. And um, in order to reach its people, you know, the church has to do things that we're not doing at the moment. So um, we started talking about this idea of, uh, well, what if the church was this this beacon of, of hope in the creative arts? And this is an area where, um, you know, I think coming out of this pandemic or being in this pandemic as we are at the moment, we need creativity. We need to think differently. We need to challenge what we used to do, you know, is no longer happening. You know, a lot of the ways we do church have changed radically. So creativity is a really powerful thing. It's in God's nature. It's in our call as Christians. But in a sense, the church has been really silent on this. Um, we haven't necessarily been at the forefront of the arts or creativity. And when you ask people, you know, what do they think of the church? Probably not creativity is not one of the things that springs to mind. Um, and so I guess we felt this call on us to play our part in that. And we talk about this idea that every local church should be a cathedral of creativity in their community, a beacon of, of innovation and life and hope. And so what that means for us in practice is we want to um, get alongside people in, in the arts, alongside the creative industries and encourage them and bring life. And so, yeah, Hackney Church was born out of wanting to go on mission to the 99 to bring hope to the people of East London. And today we look like um, very different to how we looked a few years ago. And, you know, it's crazy. You look back and think, well, everything's changed. And in one level, that's feels like it's taken a lot of hard work and been very slow, but we're so grateful for what God's done. So we now meet on um, five locations. So Hackney, Leighton, Shoreditch, um, West Ham and Homerton. And we're about to open, I guess, a sort of sixth location in that we're going to go big on, on the online. Obviously, we've all been doing church online, but we're starting to even think of online as a permanent location that we have a team that pastor and, and build around. So it's been a crazy ride. And like you guys, we're trying to navigate what that looks like in a pandemic and how we, um, how we kind of adapt. And, you know, we have to be creative. If you don't adapt, you don't survive. That's the reality of, of life in a, in a viral age. We have to learn to adapt and, and that involves lots of change and for each of us being brave and wanting to try things that are different. Wow. Um, Al, can you talk a bit about um, the structures within that? Because obviously, so St. John Hackney, the church that you originally moved into, that is, that's a colossal building. Does it see something like 2,000 people or something? And it's like a premier concert venue. Like it is massive. It's like a cathedral. But then how does it work to then plant other churches when you've got such an iconic building can you talk a bit about that and the relationship between your other church plants yeah so we we talk about a church of churches so Hackney Church is meeting across multiple locations um as I've said and you know all of those locations are part of the family of churches the sort of one church multiple churches and so uh, St John Hackney is a church building uh Leighton is a church building West Ham all these places are, are church buildings but the community that we share is one collaborative leadership that helps support and and you know deploy everything locally so in a way what we're trying to do is um i think what people are really hungry for is to be very hyper local but also as part of something that's a bit bigger so we we talk about the neighborhood and being part of something that's kind of across the city and that's really fun for a lot of us you know i love being part of something that's bigger than just one neighborhood but i also love my neighborhood i want my neighborhood to thrive so we think of ourselves as a kind of collective of neighborhood churches operating as one church 
And that's really fun. It's something we're working out. We don't really know. What we're finding is that God's opening doors um, quicker than we would have imagined on the whiteboard, you know. Um, and so what we thought we'd be doing by 2025, we find we're doing, you know, we're opening the beginning of the year. We're on two locations. Post-pandemic, we'll be on effectively six locations. And that's an amazing, um, amazing growth journey. But at the same time, you have to realise that it's moments like this when, you know, there's a well-trodden phrase at the moment people are talking about that there's, I can't remember who said it originally, but um, it might even have been Karl Marx, which is a dodgy precedent. I don't know if it is Karl Marx. You can Google it while I'm talking to you. But sometimes you wait around decades for change to happen. And then sometimes change happens in a matter of weeks decades worth of change happens that's to paraphrase the original quote but um it's certainly true that we've seen huge amounts of change in the last seven months since lockdown began um and we're trying to learn what it means to be church in a digital age and church in a, in a pandemic and church where everyone wants to be super local but also global they want to be part of something bigger than themselves so Hattie church in a sense is is a collective and I had the joy of holding that all together as a, as a leader. I'm in charge of all those churches. Um, but at the same time, I'm wanting to encourage and release leadership on the ground in each of those places. Come so on. that's it. We're making up as we go along. You know, if you ask my <laughs> team, that's one of the things I pretty much say every conversation. I'm like, I don't know. We're just trying to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, Let's yeah. get to Sunday. Wow. Uh, in terms of, um, I found what you said are really helpful. You said um, in order to reach the people no one's reaching, you've got to do the things no one's doing. And I think for us, you know, we're a new church plant. We've, we've not even launched Sundays yet. And I think there's quite a few people listening as well who might be thinking, I'm, I'm quite new in what I'm doing or I want to do a startup or I want to, whatever that looks like. I think, and I've heard that phrase before that, um, you know, people often um, overestimate what they'll do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in five. And now, now that you're kind of year four in, pushed towards year five, and like you're saying, so much more has happened than you, you could imagine. Can you talk a bit about some of the changes that have happened over the years from year one to year five? Did you think you'd be here? Was this all planned or... Like, can you talk a bit about that and maybe give some encouragement to people who are just starting out? Totally. And um, it, it's definitely the case that you, in life you have to have, um, you know, a long-term vision and a short-term plan. And it, there's a great school of thought that says that, that kind of three to five year time frames are pretty useless. Um, if you look at um, the culture around us, a lot of the cycles we hear in the headlines or you know, you look at um, parts of the world right now um, and how they're handling the pandemic, often they're, they're responding to a kind of four-year or a three- to five-year window where they're thinking about how do I get re-elected? How do I deal? How do I make decisions today that are going to help me get re-elected next year or five years' time? And, and that's a really dangerous place to exist because the kingdom of God is, is neither a three- or a five-year thing. Jesus is very clear. You know, we're meant to live with eternity in our hearts, but we're also not meant to worry too much about tomorrow. Jesus is very specific about this. He says, you know, don't make this plan. You know, let today, you know, today's got enough problems of its own. Um, and, and that's real wisdom. You know, we're meant to wake up each morning, get right with God, live right, connect with him. And, and in one sense, I think a lot of the world is obsessed with the sort of midterm, the three to five year window. Um, and as we've learned recently, you know, Things can happen in weeks. It was Lenin, by the way, not Marx. History can happen in weeks. Yeah. You can wait decades for something to change. Yeah, so yeah. I think we've learned that you need to have a plan that's in response to a vision. So what's the vision? Well, the vision is that we see massive transformation in our society, re-evangelization, uh, that, that the church would thrive. 
And so we, we articulate that like you will do, thinking about what does it want to look, what a, what a citizen want to look like in 30 years time. And um, in response to that, what, what do we need to do right now? There's a great Harvard Business Review article a few years ago that talked about organizational leadership and how most organizations that really have an impact have got a very clear vision for the next 30 years. And in response to that vision, they're working out what they do in the next 100 days. Uh, you know, the classic 100-day plan. So right now, you know, we, we're planning a few weeks ahead and we're also planning decades ahead. And I think that's been something that we've learned is not, um, is to hold things lightly. You definitely need to have a plan that you're going to execute, but you need to keep your eyes on the prize, on the vision and ask yourself, is this strategic for the long-term plan? And that's something that's born in prayer, in community and scripture and following the Holy Spirit. Um, and, you know, in my life, what I do practically, I try and like, you know, there are moments in the year, natural breaks, maybe it's, you know, the kind of Christmas holidays going into New Year, you know, you make New Year's resolutions or maybe after the summer. I'll try and write in my kind of diary, you know, or my journal, you know, what are the kind of 10 things I really want to see happen this year or this term? And just think about terms and just try and like, you know, work out some goals. And then some of those will fail miserably and some of them will, will be exceeding my expectation. And then I'll review them and I'll go back and think, well, look, let's think about what we could do differently next term. So, you know, right now we're trying to navigate how we open. One of the ambitions we have for this term is to open on five locations. And we've kind of done that. And now we're closing again after seven weeks of getting through that. And then um, so we have to adapt. And the other thing we constantly say, as well as we're making up as we go along, another one of our kind of mantras is blessed are the flexible, because we all know that, you know, particularly in times like this, if you are in a high change environment where you're having an impact and you're seeing growth happen and lives being transformed, you'd better get used to change being the norm. And that means you don't want to fix the furniture to the floor. Uh, you want to make sure you're ready to adapt. And for that reason, all of us, you know, everyone listening to this, whether you're just joining Citizen, you're kind of getting involved in teams or you're thinking about how you can play a part in what's happening when you begin to open services, we all have to keep holding it lightly. And that doesn't mean not committing, but it means being prepared to grow and or mm. get out of the way and let someone else grow, you know? Yeah, and that's the key on. thing is we've got to keep growing or going. We've got to get giving it away. We've got come to keep on. moving. And so I think for me, the challenge in that is like, um, you know, not kind of thinking that there's a sort of natural bottleneck that can happen. You know, another phrase that we talk about is what got us here isn't going to get us there. And that's yeah, so yeah. true in church life. You know, what, what, what was helpful in planting in the early days isn't necessarily going to be the thing that's going to help us grow to the next phase. Mm. Dynamics of congregations, you know, you find when you start out with a church plant, everyone knows everyone, you know, but once you get beyond a couple of Zoom screens, you're like, how do we hold this together? And mm. it's certainly true on a, on a gathered dynamic on a Sunday. You get to like 100, 150 in a congregation, it starts to become a different dynamic. Yeah, and I think yeah. that the only thing to say is, you know, we've learned over the last three, four years to be super flexible and to embrace change and welcome um, the fact that we haven't, you know, nothing is fixed to the floor. Yeah. Nothing is built in. You know, we're, we're, we're here to hold things lightly because the Lord could come back tomorrow. We could go yeah. to heaven tomorrow. Come on. We don't know what it's going to look like, <laughs> you know, so we've got to live lightly and, you know, live in the moment with God, but also keep our eyes fixed on, like Paul says, I was obedient to the heavenly vision. You know, he had a plan for his yeah, destiny yeah, yeah, yeah. and then he was obedient to the Holy Spirit for his today. Come on. I love that. Now uh, you've got to get growing or going um, or... Um, 
and also I think that's really helpful. What got us here won't necessarily get us there. It's um, I've heard before uh, someone say nothing fails like success. You know, you sometimes you're yeah. like, oh yeah, we got it's so good, it's so good, it's going so well. Let's just keep going. It's like, oh no, that actually is sometimes the worst enemy of what the next step is. Such a yeah. helpful, such a helpful reminder. Um, in kind of a bit more practically, Al, because I've I've noticed. I mean, I'm a big follower on on Instagram. Follow everything you guys do, and you've done a huge building project. At, at in Hackney and it's been ongoing for, I mean you've only just reopened the building is that right and um I think I don't know about you but I wasn't taught that at Vicar School um and so <laughs> I'd love to I'd love to know how um basically how you did it how you guys have managed that I mean a multi-million pound project is is huge and I think I'd love to know a bit more about more practically how you did it but also presumably it involves staffing in the right areas you know places where you're weak staffing strong I, I don't know could you talk a bit about that what you what you practically did in order to make this happen yeah well you know um I think what you guys are doing likewise to throw it back at you is is totally inspirational um I think it, it, it's dangerous in life to compare we've all got to run in our lanes um we've all got to be obedient to the kind of the, the, the hand that, that that we get served you know we've got to play the hand we get served um, with Hackney, um, like you say, it's, it's a big historical building. It's it built to hold 2,000 people. Um, and um, it's kind of like this great big um, decaying mega building in the East London. It's been around yeah. since 1792 on wow. in its current incarnation. But before that, been around for about best part of a thousand years on this location. Um, wow. Now, the building was in really bad condition in that it was sort of on the on the kind of risk list. And had when my first Sunday, I, I led the, the communion, the traditional communion service that's here and water would come through the roof and be dripping mm. on me. And it was like you could look up in the building and see the sky. Um, wow. So it was in a bad nick. And, um, you know, it wasn't really ready for what we were wanting to do in the building. So we had to kind of, you know, go through a bit of process. First thing is do an audit of, you know, audit of the possible. You know, what do you have? What are the resources you have? What are the potential you have? And you need to look at three things. Number one, you know, what, what are the, the people? Who are the people around you? Um, yeah. Number two, what is the potential that you see in a space or in a building or in a project? Um, and then three, like, what is the, the project? What is, the, what is it actually going to take to do this thing? And so with us, that was a clear thing of like, we thought it, would get, it was going to need between, you know, um, you know f- around five million pounds worth of work on it. Um, we had a, a sort of, plan for that in that I had a brilliant team I had a guy who was on um on our kind of planting team um who's got a background in in church kind of renovations and properties mm. and understands is not afraid of the numbers um and and he very quickly um I asked him to chair a restoration kind of project a kind of um you know formal board meeting that would look mm. at how we steer through this so basically the, the key thing is put the person put a grown-up in charge of it um, and that's not me, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm really enthusiastic and great on ideas, but, you know, when it comes to actually persuading them to give us money, you know, he was the right guy. He'd got track yeah, record yeah, yeah. in delivering, you know, 40, 50 years as a professional person in, in the construction and planning industry. So he was in charge of the project and that was a great, um, that was probably the, the key, the key thing is, um, you know, again, another principle is, is know what you don't know, you know, uh, mm. Donald Rumsfeld and I and I quote this very rarely but you may remember Donald Rumsfeld was uh, President Bush's Secretary mm. of Defense uh, and there's very few things you want to 
probably quote Donald Rumsfeld on, but one <laughs> of the things that he did say that's quite wise is in life there are um, known unknowns. There are, um, uh, sorry, there are known knowns. In other words, there are things that you know you know. Uh, yeah. There are known unknowns. In mm. other words, there are things that you know that you don't know. And then there are unknown unknowns. In other words, there are surprises that are going to come along. So with the building mm. project, we, there were things that we knew we knew. Like we knew we had a building. We knew we had the lottery interest in helping us. Okay. We knew we had sold some land to generate some some funding. So we got some money out of a sale of one of the properties the Church of England owned, the diocese owned. Mm. Um, and we thought that there was some potential to do that then there are known unknowns like we didn't know how we were going to close the gap between our funding how we were going to get the project off the ground and then there were known uh, there were unknown unknowns like when we started doing the building project we suddenly found that there was probably about yeah probably about five hundred thousand pounds of cost that we didn't know we didn't know about like when we took wow. the one bit of the building apart we found that there was loads of structural damage that no one could have known our yeah. surveys hadn't picked up and that yeah. cost us a lot of time and, and you know the pandemic was an unknown unknown in the middle of a building project suddenly mm. a plague arrived that shut the world down. yeah 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 um you know our electrics were being made in china in wuhan and oh, our wow. glass <laughs> was being made in northern italy and i remember this conversation oh, in like goodness. february march having a call with our kind of project team lead and they were saying well we're going to struggle to get this completed because a whole load of our stuff is being made in Northern Italy mm. right now that's locked down and in China. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, think, I think with the building project, it was about people. You've got to have great people. You've also got to have a really good plan. And in my experience, um, money follows vision. People tend not to get that excited about the kind of mediocre or the, the sort of the vanilla option. Um, mm. People tend to get excited when you can envision them. Money follows vision. Um, and you've obviously got to be realis realistic. You need realism. You can't, um, you know, bet everything on black at the casino one night mm -hmm. in the name of Jesus. You know, you've got to be brave and um, know what you don't know. And so in my experience, it was like, okay, I'm not the best person to run this, but I know I have a really set vision for what I want to have happen here. Mm -hmm. um, so it was about envisioning and giving away to the right people. Um, and I think we dreamt really big. We said, well, we want to work with the best people in the world. And we reached out to some people and some of them said no. Some of them said yes. Um, and two and a half years, three years in, you know, we've just made it through the pandemic. We got open. We're still not there. There's still lots of things we need to do in the building. Um, but, you know, God, thanks, thanks to God's grace, we've got here. And the result is amazing. And mm. it's going to be a blessing to people for generations to come. And not only that, it's a, it's a sign of, that God is a God of restoration. God restores yeah, people's lives. You know, the building mm. is not about the building. And we've said this from the beginning, you know, we are not interested in buildings. We are in the business of seeing people's lives restored. Come but on. buildings tell a story, you know, that when we were broken and the roof was caving in, you know, God can work in that and restore us and bring us back to life. Um, so, you know, yeah, we've Come learned on. a huge amount. Um, if I did it all over again, I'd do things way differently. I'd, lots of things I'd want to do differently. Um, but on one level, no regrets. We've, we've loved it. It's been such a privilege to see God come through and answer prayers and miracles happen. 
Oh, wow. Al, um, in terms of uh, leadership, and the, I've noticed that you're, I mean, even with this building project and everything, you're a real risk taker. And I think, I don't know if that's um, just a real sign of your faith and things, but can you just talk a bit more practically about the kind of leaders you like to surround yourself with the, when you're looking for different positions or different staff or people to join your team? Can you talk maybe a bit about the leadership qualities that you look for in, um, in a team member? Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys do this brilliantly. You know, I definitely believe in, in taking risks. Mm. And I think um, that's important. You know, I, I think it's part of what it is to, to follow Jesus is you've got to be brave mm. and you've got mm. to be courageous. And, you know, I think of the call on Joshua's life, you know, be, be strong, be bold and courageous. The Lord your God is with you. Um, you know, there's the old thing I grew up at HV hearing, you know, people talking about faith and how it was spelled R-I-S-K yeah. and um, be, yeah. being, dis, being dyslexic yeah. I'd sit there and going you know, I'm <laughs> trying to work out what that meant but um, definitely you know risk yeah. is um, I guess it's a distinction between faith and risk I think risk is um, something that people are afraid of it's a bit like fear we have risk registers and risk management mm. um, but faith is different to risk faith operates in a slightly different way. It's saying, well, look, as far as it depends on us, we're going to lay our lives out on the mm. altar of following Jesus and let the Holy Spirit bring the fire. And we've got to be brave about that. And I think in my experience, God is interested in our biggest mm. prayers. You know, he loves to answer some of our craziest dreams. And I think that's something the Holy Spirit does. You know, the, the Peter preach at Pentecost talks mm. about quoting that great passage from Joel, young men will dream dreams, old men will see visions. You know, there's a time for, for dreaming and visioning. And I think that's a key thing that we need, need to make space for the spirit to inspire us. That said, if everybody was as crazy as you and I are, Ryan, we'd be in real trouble. Yeah. You know, our job as leaders is, is to yeah. be brave and to say, hey, here's a potential, here's a future mm. that we're imagining and we're dreaming. Let's pray it into reality. At the same time, our job is also as a team is that we need all kinds of people. Mm. And that's been a, a massive, you know, massive win for us. I've got an amazing team who are really different to me. I've got some fantastic leaders around me who are wiser than me, who are better at pastoring, are better at teaching, are better mm. at like planning and operations. And their job in a way is to hold me in. My My kind of... To use a football analogy, and I'm not a big football guy, but, you know, I'm like that guy who just gets the ball and runs and just makes his mm. way up the pitch. You know, I've got to have really good defense and I've got yeah, to have yeah. really good finishers who can help me get things over the line. Um, so if, to give you two examples, I have a, an amazing um, operations kind of COO, chief operating officer, mm. um, who oversees our staff team and oversees our operations, oversees our finance and we've gone from a place where initially day one, it was just me on the staff. Um, and um, we're now probably just on the underside of about 50 people on the staff. Wow. You know, they, they are the person who heads up the staffing. Mm. They hire, they move people on when they need to. They, they're brilliant on law and finance and balancing mm. the budget. And they worry about the money and they worry about all the things that need to worry about. And so having someone like that is really helpful. And, you know, even this morning, We've been on a call as we've been going back into lockdown and I've been talking to them about, hey, here's what I want to do this weekend, this, 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 this. And they've gone, okay, well, here's how that's going to impact the organization. And let's think about what we need to move around. And so their job is to help translate my enthusiasm into realism and action. 
Um, and you need them. Sometimes I get really frustrated with them because they're like an anchor. They weigh me back. They, I feel like they're pulling me down. But I've learned over the years that anchors are good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they stop. They stop you crashing on the rocks. <laughs> yeah. Um, another example is is like uh, you know my kind of if, if they're my left hand operationally, I've got my right hand. Pastry is a guy called Mark, and he's the yeah, yeah. kind of you know associate rector of the church. And Mark is an amazing pastor. You know, at the same time as we have the conversation about how do we make this happen operationally, Mark be saying, well, this is the impact that people are going to feel. And this is how we need to take the people with us. And this is how we need to love people well and look after them. And, and that's a great gift. And that's something mm. that, you know, that we need to surround ourselves with. So you look at our senior team as a church. Wow. We've worked really hard to build difference. Mm. Um, if you think of us as a football team, you know, I want to make sure I'm not just all midfielders. I want to make sure I've got strikers. I've got defenders. Yeah, I've got yeah, a great yeah, yeah. goalkeeper so that we're balanced and we're only as strong as our weakest player and in that sense we're constantly trying to help all those players on the pitch raise their game and my job increasingly is is not to be the kind of harry kane uh, and run around you know kind of getting the ball and scoring goals my job in a, in a sense is to be on the on the sideline as the coach and say hey team this is how i think we can do this here's what i think the, the gameplay can be for the next half of the game yeah. and you guys go out and figure out how to make it happen and that's how you know we've grown to multiple locations. I can't be at every one of those locations. I, all I can do is invest in those leaders and make sure that they're doing it right. And that's the secret to growth, in a sense, is to, mm. to not do everything and learn. You know, what are the things that God's called you, Ryan, uniquely to do, mm. and for your team and your church to get around you and around each other and say, what has God called you uniquely to do as a church, Come and on. how can we help? Yeah. You know, I mean, if I can speak to the church citizen for a moment you know you guys need to pray for ryan and his amazing family you know get around your leader and support them and when you realize that they're not a, you know they're not a defender a midfielder and a striker help pick up the bits that they can't do mm. and so the best people on our team are the ones who come to me and say hey i've noticed that this area is wobbly or we're a bit weak in defense can i help with this area and that yeah, for wow. me is like oh just so helpful um, there's a myth that church leaders are Jesus. They're not. We're not. We don't yeah. get it all right. We can't be mm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, we, mm. we have a good day in one and two, and maybe we can be the best Ryan we can be or the best Al we can be on those days. But equally, mm. there are bad days when we get it wrong and we mess up and we score yeah. own goals and we get things, you know, things slip through the net. So I think for me, I've learned that I'm not on my own. And my mm. job as a leader is to is to 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 be held by the people I'm leading with, mm. and to listen and to love those leaders and to learn from them. And then if you do that, you're going to have a great time. There's still going to be moments when there's tears and tantrums, yeah. and you need to kind of give everyone a kick up the backside and mm. you know sit around the fire and and, and console each other. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, man, what fun it is to be doing church in this time. What a hunger Come there on. is in the culture. What a blessing <laughs> you're going to be to the young people in Cardiff. Mm. You know, wow. So what a time to be alive, Citizen Church. Mm. Come on. Al, I'm aware of time, but I just want to quickly um, finish up by asking you a bit about the Holy Spirit. Because you, you were talking about that a bit then. And actually, I don't know if you noticed, you're, um, when I first started going to church, the first church I actually really started going to was HTB. And the first service I started going to was the 6.30 at Spots, which was one that you ran. Um, it was in the round. It was, and, and actually, we've orientated in the round here on the back of that. That's how it's, uh, I think it's something that's really, you know, the first kind of church I felt like I belonged to, service I belonged to. And so I've really, um, I think that's really kind of impacted how... Um, 
well, my fave today. And I think um, I remember bringing a friend of mine who was doing Alpha at uni with us, who um, was, he was basically almost there, came to one of your services and you basically just started waiting on words and pictures. You started calling out that you felt like the spirit was giving you words of knowledge. I think you said someone had a bad elbow and they'd been in a car accident. You were very, very specific to which my friend turned around to me and just said, mate, have they spoken beforehand? I don't quite understand what's going on. And then that night he became a Christian because of wow. that. And um, I just want to ask you a bit about that. Like how, how do you hear from the Holy Spirit? How I just, it's something I've really admired over the years about you and um, how you also managed to marry up um, something that is uh, really appealing to people that don't go to church or wouldn't call themselves Christians, but also you don't seem to compromise on the Holy Spirit. And so could you just talk a quick bit to that? Um, yeah, before we before we finish up. Oh, I'm so encouraged. That's made my day hearing that story about both you and your friend. Wow. And, you know, I want to apologize in advance for your church for, you know, Ryan was a massive pastoral case when he was with us. And we had spent a lot of time praying for him. And, you know, um, no, mate, no. Deliverance. So, so, so proud of you. So proud of you and what you're doing. And, you know, gosh, um, I mean, to be honest with you, <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think we all have to um, be ourselves, listen to, learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Mm. I think for, for me, here's three things. So, so number one, um, expect, you know, expect God to step into the gap between you and, you know, and him. You know, so every Sunday I just do a really simple thing. I stand up and I say, come Holy Spirit. And I put myself in a position where I'm expectant for him to step mm. into the gap. Um, between me and and him and so faith you know that, that's what faith is isn't it is being sure yeah. of what we hope for um and so yeah. i'll sometimes just stand up in front of church the microphone i'll say like well you know i don't know what god wants to do but on the outside i'll be like hey let's just wait come holy spirit and sometimes mm. i'll wait and i won't feel anything and sometimes i'll just pray and i'll be like okay this idea has come into my head of this picture of an elbow i just think there might be someone here with an elbow what i found is just in my life I don't know how God does it, but it's like almost like, well, by making yourself available, your imagination, your mind, your thought processes, your, your heart being available to the Holy Spirit and mm. expecting that he's going to move. Um, he seems to move. Now, yeah. uh, the other thing that goes with that is being prepared to, to, to look like an idiot when it goes horribly wrong. And that's yeah. OK. Um, I think once we feel like we've got it all slick and there's a plan and, you know, we've cut some some sort of godly kind of all like even worse than that, some sort of fraudulent earpiece or like, hey, you know, here's my, my game plan for making mm. you look like the Holy Spirit's in the room. That's just, that's religion. Yeah. Um, at the same time, if we're expecting for God to do the bit that only God can do, and we put ourselves at the position where it's, it's embarrassing when he doesn't show up, then I feel God always shows up. Mm. Um, so I would just say be expectant. Um, second thing to encourage you um, is, to, is to really, really explain what you're doing. And so I'll yeah. sometimes stand up in front of church and I'll, and I'll say, well, you know, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And sometimes he comes, sometimes he, you know, seems to be doing amazing things. Sometimes he doesn't. And I've just got this picture in my head and we prayed as a team beforehand. Here are a few words of knowledge and this is what a word of knowledge. So you can't over explain. By explaining things, you demystify. What everyone's thinking is this is some kind of like manipulation. Um, so we don't have to hype the Holy Spirit up. He, he, he comes down. He, he's gentle. He's kind. Um, he's Jesus, you know, so um, the spirit of Jesus will do what, what he wants to do. And so mm. explaining to people, 
just helps people understand that this isn't anything new. It's not anything strange. This is what the church has been doing since the beginning. So expect, secondly, explain. The third thing is empower people. Um, the last thing we want is to people to think that, oh, you know, it's the guy at the front with the microphone or the girl at the front of the microphone is sort of God's anointed one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What makes me really happy about your story is, you know, you're leading far more exciting things that I'm doing here in Hackney. And, and I'm so proud of you. But hearing that you come to church, you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you're, you know, you feel empowered to go off and do that. That sounds to me like the Holy Spirit. And mm. you can always tell if it's the Holy Spirit because he'll empower people. If it's control and it ends up being about one person and one gifting and one platform mm. and one leader, on. usually mm. not the Holy Spirit. You know, <laughs> usually it's just gifting or platform or whatever. Mm. What I'm looking for is... is God's empowering presence, to coin a phrase. Um, yeah. and, and so I think, um, you know, when it's the Holy Spirit, we're always looking to empower people and demystify it and say, well, look, yeah, yeah. I can do this, you know. Yeah. I love what, what, what John Wimber used to do in, in, in the days when um, John Wimber was ministering in the, in the 80s and 90s. He'd just say, to coin a phrase again, you know, I'm just a fat guy in a Hawaiian shirt on my way to heaven. <laughs> you know, he'd just take everybody be like, what? Come you on. can't say that. But actually all of us, we're just, we're just making up as we go along. Yeah, yeah, God yeah. is God. We're not. Come and on. so when we make space for God and we expect him and, and we explain what's going on and we empower people, God is able to do more than we can ever ask or imagine, right? Yeah, and so my yeah. encouragement to people listening into this, you know, you might be that 18-year-old that kid like I was or that, that guy who's in church the first time like Ryan or Ryan's friend. The Holy Spirit is as much a part of your play right now as it is mine. Uh, or Ryan's, you know, he is, he is your football um, in the sense that you're going to follow him around, go yeah. where he's going, run to where he is. Yeah. And you get to play, you get to be on the pitch. It's not about superstar strikers. Um, we're all in this together. And that's the great thing about the church is, is it's the Holy Spirit's game. It's not ours. And so we don't get to be, you know, we don't need to worry too much. Just let God be God, be brave, pray, let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit, love Jesus keep loving each other everything else will be fine keep going come on that's thanks al that's brilliant um i thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been it's been great having you i've got so many more questions to ask you um but maybe hopefully one day we can get you down here in person so i can ask them all oh i'd love um, that that would be great but thank you honestly thank you so much for coming on and um we'll see you soon mate what a privilege thank you god bless thank you al <laughs>